Well, good morning, Hills Church. All right, I got some response. I wasn't even expecting that. Thank you for that. Appreciate that. Oh, it is good to be here today. Uh, whether you are here in person or you're watching online, we just want to say, I just want to say I'm ecstatic that you are here and that you decided to join us in the message, the word today, and the worship together. Um, I also want to tell you that my name is Twan Moore. Um, there is a cue in there in case you're like, what in the world is that? It is a silent cue. It is like a ninja. It's there, but you just don't know it. So just know my name is Twan Moore. I'm one of the staff members here. I'm one of the ministers, and um, it is a privilege for me to be able to speak to you today. And last but not least, I want to say happy Independence Day to everyone in the room. Yes, happy. And yes, there you go. You can cheer for that. It's a good thing. God has blessed us, and um, um, it's, it, whatever you're going to be doing today, whether you're just kind of chilling, relaxing, or you're going full bore, cookout, everything, fireworks, the whole deal, I hope it is a blessing for you. Fourth uh, of July is one of my favorite holidays, especially back when I was younger. Um, I wish I was, could say it's because it was, because uh, I was so patriotic back then. Uh, my dad was in the Air Force and I lived on Bowling Air Force Base in Washington, D.C. And so if you've ever been to D.C. at the 4th of July, you know that that is a big, big deal. All right. And so we would wa watch from across Potomac. Fireworks would go off everywhere. And I was excited because of fireworks. But not only that, my birthday is in July. So for me, this was like kind of just kind of prep beginnings of happy birthday to me. So wherever you find, I mean, a boy can dream, you know, so wherever you find yourself today, however you plan on spending it, I pray that uh, God will bless you in the midst of it all. And I want to let you know, we are going to be in the Gospel of John, chapter 17. That's where we're going to find ourselves today. If you have a Bible and you want to open it up to there, feel free to do so. You just park there for a moment because I need to give you a little context. I need to set up kind of what's going on in this passage. Jesus and his disciples, they are celebrating a holiday themselves as well. They are celebrating the Passover, a huge Jewish celebration of when at the end of the 10 plagues, God passed over Israel and Egypt was ready to let them go and they began to leave Egypt as free people headed towards the promised land. This is a big deal holiday for them. And Jesus is observing that with his disciples. Now, he's observing it, but this Passover, I believe, is very different for him than any other. Because there's a couple of things that Jesus knows. He knows that his time is very short. He knows that within a few hours of what we find in John chapter 17, that he is going to be taken, he's going to be put through a mock trial, he's going to be beaten, and he's going to be placed on the cross, and he's going to die. He knows that this is happening hours away. The other thing that he knows is this. He knows that all authority has been given to him by the Father. So imagine that. It's your last few hours that you know you're going to be here on the earth, and you have the ability to take care of whatever you think that you need to do. And that is exactly what Jesus is doing when he gets with his disciples. He wants to prepare them for what's about to happen. So he begins to talk to them about the things that are going to go on. He begins to tell them about, hey, one of you is going to betray me. I'm sure that was like a hammer that was dropped and he gives Judas the old nod. One of you is going to betray me, you know. 
he tells, he tells him that he's going to die and be raised. And Peter's not having any part of that. He's like, no way, Lord, not let this happen. And he tells Peter, good old Pete, hey, Pete, three times you're going to deny me this very night before the rooster crows. And then he tells him, I also have to leave. And you can't come, but that's okay because I'm sending the spirit. And so Jesus has said all this stuff. He's been doing business with his disciples so that they are prepared for what they're about to experience. Because what they are about to experience is going to be very, very difficult. Extremely difficult. And once he is done kind of doing business and saying all the things that he needs to say in that moment, he then goes to the Lord. And he starts to do business with the Lord in prayer. And that is where we find ourselves in John chapter 17. Now, when um, well, in John chapter 17, when he gets there, we find him praying. He prays for three things. First, he prays for himself. He prays that God will glorify himself through what Jesus is about to do. Secondly, he prays for his disciples who are with him in that upper room, that the enemy, that he will be protect, they will be protected from the evil one. And lastly, he prays for people he doesn't know. People's faces he hasn't seen, whose names he doesn't know. Jesus looks into the future to those who will believe in him because of what the disciples are going to be teaching. He looks unto July 4th, 2021, to you and me. And that is where we find ourselves in the Gospel of John, chapter 17 and verse 20. Let's take a look at that and read what it says. And this is Jesus praying. He says, my prayer is not for them alone, them being the disciples. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That they may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the, word, the world may believe that you've sent me. I have given them the glory that you've given me. That they may be one as we are one. I am them, you and me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved, me, loved them even as you have loved me. Man, a couple years ago, I feel like God just impressed this passage, especially that part of it, on my heart. Where he hungers down and Jesus decides... I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray for unity. And this unity that he's talking about isn't just a nice unity that you can take and slap on a T-shirt, and it's all kind of cool, and you wear it. This is not just a kind of unity where, man, we all walk and talk the same and just kind of march to the same beat. This is different. Because what he is talking about is the unity that he shares with the Father. Jesus the Son with the Father lockstep with each other. And if you look at Jesus' life and you watch how he's living it and watch what he's doing, you find that Jesus is doing only what he sees his father doing. And he's saying only what he sees his father in heaven saying. That's what he is doing. And this is the oneness that he is inviting us into. And he says it's also giving us the glory that he's been given. Now, I don't want to, I don't want to come off and make you think that I'm about to explain the deep mysteries of that unity or this glory that he's talking about, because I'm not any of us, I'm not sure that any of us really understand that. But this is what I do think. I think there's some things that if we look at that prayer that Jesus prays, as we look at that prayer and go, 
man, what is in there for me to glean? There's some things that we need to notice, and I believe that if we notice in church, if we notice and take these things to heart, that it will put us on a trajectory of becoming the beautiful bride of Christ without spot and blemish that is being prepared for Jesus. I think that's what God wants to do. So let's take a look and start taking a, taking a look at the things that we need to notice. Here's thing number one. Unity is extremely important to Jesus. That seems kind of mundane maybe or too obvious, but I'm going to say it again. Unity is extremely important to Jesus. Remember the context. He's got a few hours and he is going to the cross and he knows that anything that he feels like he needs to do, he can do. And so he prays. And he prays for unity. That's the thing that he prays for for us. Unity. In his last moments, walking before going to the cross, he prays for unity. I want you to think about that because he could have prayed for lots of things. Lots of things that I think, man, this would have been worthy. He could have prayed, man, I, God, I pray that the church, they know the scriptures. They know them so well that they're able to tell everybody, to explain the deep mysteries of it. And when people hear the word and understand what it says from what I've given them, then people will believe. And that would have been a great prayer, but he didn't pray that. He could have prayed, Lord, give them power, a download from the Holy Spirit so that they will move in power and have miraculous signs and wonders. And it would be a, a fabulous thing. People's eyes would be wide and they would be amazed at what was happening. Go, oh my goodness, surely there's a God because of the things that these people are doing they're able to see. But he does not pray for that. He could have prayed, God, I pray that they will be firm in their faith, that they will be immovable. That no matter what comes, whatever obstacle, whatever new teaching, whatever, any of that, that people will see how firm they are in their faith and how deeply they believe and go, man, there's something that they have that I want because, man, they are locked in. He could have prayed for that, but he doesn't. He prays for unity. He prays for oneness. Feel the gravity of the importance of in his last moments, when you find yourself in the last moments with your family and friends, you are not wasting time. You're not talking about the basketball game or the weather. You are talking about things that you want those people to take with them long after you're gone. And so I believe that is what Jesus is doing here in this prayer. When he prays, God make them one as you and I are one. And if unity is this important to Jesus, if it's truly this important to Jesus, here's the second thing, second thing I think we need to notice. If unity is important to Jesus, it should be this important to us. I was writing a sermon, I was like, ooh, Spirit, come on and convict me just a little bit. Because when I began to kind of self-reflect, I was like, I don't know that I have really put the importance that I see is happening here. But if you look at the early church, you look at them in Acts chapter 2 and 4-ish in that area there, you will find that they started to take this to heart. And it began to look like 
them taking the things that they had and looking beyond people's status, whether they were rich or poor, whether they were master or servant, and seeing whoever had need, they began to sell their stuff and give it to everyone so that none was, out, was without need. They unified, they rallied behind what Jesus was doing, breaking down all these social constructs and going, hey, we are the one church of God. Or if you look at James, or you look at the Apostle Paul, and you look at their, their messages as James writes to the church and uh, Paul writes to Corinth and to Ephesus. And they began to talk about staying away from quarrels and fights and things that divide you. And Paul starts to talk about, hey, don't worry about who taught you or who baptized you. Let's not divide up here. But we have one God, one Lord Jesus, one faith and one baptism. That is what we should rally around. That is our unifying point. He settles in there on that because it is of such importance. So it should be important to me as well. Maybe I should find myself stopping and praying for unity and finding that to float up to the top of my prayer list because it's what Jesus prayed for. Maybe it's something where I find myself, it becomes this important to me that I should take the time to really consider whether I really need to go down the route of this quarrel or this argument that I'm having with this, this person that, that I'm with. Super important to Jesus, it should be important to us. Next point I want you to understand is that this unity, it will happen because Jesus is praying for it. I'm going to say that again. And I want you to hear it. This unity that he's praying for, this oneness between the Father and the Son that he's praying for his church, that we may be in them like he and the Father are in each other, this unity, it will happen because Jesus prayed for it. And this is why I say this. When you look at Jesus' life, you look in the Scripture and you see the things that he prays for, amazing things happen when Jesus prays. Jesus spends the night praying. His apostles are down the boat. They're tired of waiting on him. They go on the water. They're struggling. And the next thing you know, Jesus comes and does some sandal surfing on the waves. And he is walking on the water. Amazing things happen when Jesus prays. Jesus prays. And he takes the Lunchables back in A.D. And takes the fish and loaves. And he feeds 4,000 and 5,000 people. When Jesus prays, amazing things. Things happen. When Jesus prays, he goes to a tomb to a guy who's been there a minute. In case you don't know, that's slang for he's been there a long time, okay? And he's been there a while. And he prays, and Lazarus comes out. Burial clothes and everything. When Jesus prays, amazing things happen. So this thing that he is praying this is not like wishful thinking kind of deal. This is not the same as the prayer that he prayed when he's about to go to the cross and he's in the garden and he's looking towards what's about to happen and he doesn't want to do it. 
And he says, Lord, not my will, but thine. This isn't that kind of prayer. I believe Jesus is in lockstep with what God wants. And he's praying into the future for us about what will occur. And so if we're looking at it and going, man, this is not just a cool idea, but something that Jesus and God are moving towards, then brothers and sisters, we need to be moving towards it with them. Does that make sense? You follow with me? Thank you. So, as he prays this, as he prays this, I think it's really important to him because of what it produces. Because there's something that he wants the world to see, something he wants the world to see through our unity. Take note of this next thing. Unity is a key part of God's plan to reach the world. Say that again. Unity is a key part of God's plan to reach the world. Okay? Matter of fact, let's look in the scripture again and see what it has to say. John 17, same place, verse 20, right now. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe. All right, hold on. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory you've given to me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you've loved me. Do you follow what Jesus is saying there? There's something about this unity that when we connect with the unity that he has with the Father, that unity he's praying for us, there is something in that that will connect the world to understand that Jesus came from God and that he loves them. Now, I remember reading this. I'm like, how does that work? I don't know how our oneness and our unity helps them to see that. It almost felt like if someone said, if you mix yellow and blue, you get a great haircut. It just doesn't seem like those things go together. It doesn't like you're like, what in the world? How does that happen? And so my best example, my best way that I know to talk about what unity does comes from an experience that I had almost 26 years ago. And if you'll throw up the picture, that would be great. All right. You see that dude there with a the big grin on his face in the suit, right? And a sweet flat top haircut? That's me, in case you don't know. All right? It's been a little bit. And that lady next to me is my wife. So 20, almost 26 years ago, come August, we were wed on August 19th, 1995. And I want to tell you, as beautiful as that day was, it was difficult getting to that point. Because the racial tensions of the day, because of the struggles that we had with my wife's parents and us dating, it was hard. And when I say hard, I mean like hard. You, you follow? And so 
We're dealing with this, and this is like a four, four plus years of hardness. But when we get to August 19th, reconciliation has begun to set seeds in our family. And we go to that church in Round Rock, Texas, and we're standing there, and people are filling up the auditorium. And they've come to see this union of these two people and their families. And they've come and they're watching my mom and dad take that unity candle, go up and light it. And they're watching Leanna's parents go up and take that unity candle and light it. And there in that moment, they are watching oneness occur before their eyes. Thank you, it was woo for me too. <laughs> so Leanna and I are in the receiving line and we're receiving a lot of people have come and this really took my notice there's a group of people who had come that they didn't get invitations from us matter of fact they met us in the invitation line we didn't know who they were but what had happened was that Friends had talked to them who've known and heard of the struggle and have watched it and said, hey, this is about to happen. We want you to come and see. So strangers get dressed up and they come over to this wedding to watch this union that the world has said should not occur. And they want to see what's going on there because there's something powerful when people get together in realness and oneness. And I think that is what Jesus is talking about here. That is what he's talking about when he says that he wants us to be one and that the people are going to look and see that Jesus was sent from God and that he loves them because there is something that I can't even quantify that is in unity that makes people go, what in the world is that? Tell me more, show me. And I think that is what God wants to happen. That is why it's so important. Amen. Now I'm gonna pause for a second because I've been talking to those of us believers in the room. I mean, that's what the prayer's been about, right? It's been us about being unified, about being one. And some of you may be here in the room Maybe kind of skeptical of this whole religion thing, or Jesus, or not sure what to, to make of it or whatnot. And if you are here, I want to say thank you so much for coming and being with us. We are beyond honored that you are here. But Jesus has something for you too in this. Because you see, when he is praying for our unity, He's not praying just so that we can have our kumbaya moments by the campfire and frolic forever in eternity together. That is not the reason that he is praying for our unity. What he is praying for, our, he is praying for our unity because Jesus wants you to know that he came from God and that you are loved by God. That's what he wants you to notice. Let's put that up there if you don't mind. Jesus wants you to know that he came from God and that you are loved by God. This is not just so his people can be happy, but he wants to bring you in. He wants you to know 
that God sent him. He wants you to know that you are deeply loved beyond what you can understand. He wants you to know that this is about everybody coming in. Not just those who are believing now, but for you as well. So, folks, I'm going to have to wrap up here in just a second because the clock tells me so. And here's what I want you to get. Believers in the room, we need to pursue unity. And I'm not saying, don't hear me say that we need to pursue unity at the cost of truth. That's not what I'm saying. It's not what I'm saying at all. Truth is extremely important to God. But what I am saying is that, man, if you're like me, you might need to reevaluate where in importance you've placed unity. Because sometimes I found myself playing, placing unity behind winning an argument. Sometimes I found where people are placing unity behind the thing that they need to post on the internet. Sometimes I find that we would rather be cordially distanced from each other in the room than moving towards each other and working out the, the, the troubles and struggles that we have so that we may pursue this unity that Jesus has. Because I recognize moving towards someone that you're having struggle with is difficult, but according to Jesus, it is of eternal importance. Eternal importance. So, with that in mind, here's what we're going to do. I don't know if anything that I've said has, has been speaking to your heart. Whether you're like, man, Tuan, these things that you've been saying, man, God is stirring something in me now. I want you to listen to that. Or maybe God's been stirring something completely different in you. It has nothing to do with what I've said at all today. That's okay. Uh, I know I'm not too naive to believe that God's not going to move beyond me. We want to let you know that there are people who will be ready to pray with you about those things. We would love to do that. We would love to go to the Father on your behalf. Because when people pray, amazing things happen. And if you're in the room and you're going, man... Okay, Twan, I've been kind of skeptical and you've intrigued me and I want to know a little bit more about this. I don't know I'm ready to jump all the way in yet, but I'm curious. We want to help you too. We want to walk with you and hear you and understand you and let you know who we believe that Jesus is. And you can respond too. Do those same folks. I'll be going into this room to my right, your left. It's our prayer room. Or maybe God's just been working on you and you're like, Well, before you started talking, I was ready, (laughs) okay? And so, man, just tell me how to jump in. I want to give my life to Christ and be baptized. If that is you, we're ecstatic for you as well. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray together real quick. And the worship team is going to come out and lead us in a song. And so if you don't mind standing with me during that time when they... uh, they come out and they leave us in that song. If you're feeling like you need to respond, I want you to feel free to do so. Let's pray together. 
our Godfather, you are beyond anything that we can understand or imagine. And God, I simply want to pray the same prayer that Jesus prayed for us some 2,000 years ago. My prayer is this, Lord, that you will make us one, just like you and the Father are one. As you are in him, he is in you. May we be in you and you be in us. Lord, bring us to complete unity so that the world may know that Jesus was sent from you and that you love them just as you love Jesus. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.